0: Uh, I'm so glad that all of you are here. Uh, This is great to be together. I had in my notes that I would start off by saying what a beautiful day it was. Uh, It is, kind of relatively. We ordered a beautiful day. We ordered sunshine. We got denied. I guess it was on small supply. Uh, But it's beautiful from my perspective. You know, I went to high school here, and I've always wondered why they didn't build the amphitheater in the other way. Like, I wish you guys could see what I'm seeing, the hills and all that stuff. It's beautiful when you're facing that way. And uh, I guess the fog is helping. The hills are starting to turn green again. There's some green coming back to the hills, which is wonderful. It wasn't that long ago, you know, that uh, many of us in this community were up before dawn watching these hills burn. And um, it's good to have that behind us. The hills are starting to green up again. And I, I want that kind of stuff to be behind us. Can I get an amen to this being the worst winter ever? I want that stuff behind us. I live uh, in the hills behind Carpentry, a couple canyons that way. And a few days ago, we had kind of a big wind event. It was real windy back in the canyon. And I came out the next day, and my house and all my patios and all my stuff was covered in ash again. And I was like, What? I thought we were done with the ash. I'm so ready to be done with the ash. And then we had all that rain. Like, doesn't the rain wash the ash away? And it's like, I come out and there it is again. And it was weird because I was bummed because I was hosing down everything I owned for the 50th time this year. But it was like a weird, uncool reminder that all is not right. The ash was a reminder to me that all is not right. And strangely, and this may not be the message that you're expecting, but Easter actually reminds us in another way of the fact that all is not well. But Jesus was raised to life from the dead to give us new life, that all would be well, and one day ultimately so. In the text that Bella read for us earlier from the Gospel of Matthew, you have it inside your uh, thingamajiggers. It says in verse 1, as Bella read, early on Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Now on that first Easter morning, the women were going to the tomb because they were expecting to find Jesus there and they wanted to anoint his body. It was this Jewish thing that they did after somebody was dead. And Jesus was supposed to be there in the tomb that first Easter morning, that first Sunday, because on the Friday before, Jesus had been crucified and died. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was crucified and died for us. The Bible tells us that Jesus experienced that and went through that willingly for us. In the Bible... We learn that the God who created us loves us, and He wants to know us. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to experience His love and His blessings in our lives, in our families, in the community. And He wants us to be able to live in glory with Him for all of eternity. That is what the Bible tells us God wants for us. The problem with us is that we all together as humanity have rebelled against God. Rather than going His way as to the people that He made, we have gone our own way. And so we've experienced in our world, in our culture, in our community, in our lives, we have not then experienced His plan, the fullness of His love and His blessing upon us. And so since we have rebelled against him, ran from him and lived in ways he did not intend for us to live. The Bible calls this sin. We need to be reconciled now to God. The relationship that was broken by our rebellion, by our sin, needs to be restored, reestablished. And the way that that relationship is restored and reestablished is through the cross of Christ. Christ. There on the cross, Jesus made a sacrifice with His own life to pay the price for our rebellion, for our sin. And Jesus' death upon the cross actually satisfies the requirements of God on our behalf as they pertain to our rebellion, our sin against Him. Listen to what the New Testament says in the book of Colossians. Quote, You were dead because of your sins, Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross, end of quote. That's what Jesus did for us on that Friday, that first Good Friday. And He did this because as the only unique Son of God, Jesus loves us. And Jesus is himself the love gift of God to all of humanity. John 3.16, you know it well. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Jesus is a love gift of God. And Jesus died on the cross in our place to pay our price because of his love for us you might be wondering in your mind, well, how do we actually know? How can we be sure that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross actually accomplishes anything for us? I mean, that was a long time ago in a far place. Well, what gives us claim teeth and validity is the fact that on that Sunday morning, the tomb was empty. The women went there expecting to find Jesus in the tomb. But as we read in the Holy Bible, the tomb was empty that morning. And honestly, it's kind of a big deal. We read in the next few verses, verses two through six, you have it in front of you. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Do not be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. This powerful event that we read in Holy Scripture is what we now call Easter. Celebrating, recognizing the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead just like he said he would, after dying on the cross to pay the price for our sins, just like he said he would. And we have to realize that no one else in history has ever made those claims or done those things. No one else in history has ever offered to pay the price for our sins on the cross and given Himself for us like Jesus did and then rose from the dead in victory. Only Jesus has ever done that. That's why we're all here 2,000 years later. I mean, otherwise, it's really weird that we're all gathered in this place. But we're here because that was unique in all of history. In fact, the New Testament says in the book of Romans that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. The fact that the tomb was empty that morning and Jesus was resurrected is proof positive as to who He is, the only unique Son of God, the only one who could possibly ever pay the price for our sins and take our place. The resurrection declares that. It makes sure and valid Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us that Friday. But we may wonder, well, but what does that mean? What does it mean for us? does it mean for me? What what does it mean for you? And it's important that you lay hold of this. It's important that you think about this. What does it mean for you? Because in a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond according to what this means. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get up out of your seat and come forward and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be your Lord and Savior and give you new life and eternal life. So I'll give you a moment to respond. So we've got to be thinking now, well, what, what does it mean for us? You know, as I alluded to at the beginning, we've had a hard year as a community in so many different ways. Firstly, because there has been no surf this winter whatsoever. <laughs> the worst of all things, this has been the worst winter ever for surf. That's my biggest gripe. But seriously, I mean, after a long period of drought, which we're no stranger to, we had the largest wildfire almost ever in California history right here in our backyard. Many of us and our friends and our neighbors and our community members lost so much in those fires. And then after a long drought and big fires, we had the craziest rain ever. We never get rain like that. And so the mud and the floods. Where again, many of us and our friends and our community members and neighbors lost so much during that time and still feel the loss. You know, but when we think big picture, we're not the only ones, we're not the only community that's had a hard time this last year. I mean, look at the rest of our nation. The recent school shootings, shootings at country music concerts. I mean, if you if you can't feel safe at school or at a country music show, where can you feel safe, we wonder? And then the bombs lately in Austin. And did you guys see the news that Russia's testing this new missile that they named the Satan? Like are you for real? Are you kidding me? Satan too, this missile is called. Was there a Satan one missile? What is, like what? All of our human progress and this is where we're at? Missiles called Satan? Bombs in Austin? Schools and concerts that aren't safe anymore? Think about the Me Too movement. This made us really wonder once again, who can we trust? positions of power and authority. We find ourselves wondering where are we safe anymore and who can we trust anymore? And it's clear when we sort of survey some of the big issues in our land that much is dark and difficult in our world and in our lives, both from without and honestly from within. Much is dark and difficult. It's almost like, and the weather is so apropos, it's almost like we're living under a cloud of gloom and a shadow of death of some sort in this nation. And in our community, the ash that the wind still blows and the mud that is still on the sides of the road are tragic reminders that all is not right. And so now, whenever it rains, we evacuate. And we talk about gun control as a nation. And we out and shame men who ought to be outed and shamed. And we have Trump talking about a new arms race with Russia. I mean, what year is this? And we do our best to try to manage these situations, but we all realize that these things are clearly beyond our control. And sadly so. What we ultimately need is a deliverer. We need a deliverer who is greater than the forces of nature. We need a deliverer who is greater than the evil in people, than the evil in us. We need a deliverer who is greater than death itself. And this deliverer is Jesus. And the Bible tells us about the resurrection, that it was impossible for death to hold Jesus to the end of that weekend. Because he himself is the power that is greater than death. The New Testament tells us that Jesus actually now holds the keys to death. This means for us that death no longer has the final word. Jesus does. Death seems to have the final word because it appears to be such an unstoppable force and such a final event. But the account of Jesus' resurrection before us reveals that death is not final, nor is it unstoppable. We need to hear the words of the angel again in verses five and six you have in front of you where he said, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Since Jesus defeated the power of sin on the cross, that's what he did, and the power of death through his resurrection, that's what he did, we are now offered hope of living new lives under a greater, better ultimate power that is Jesus our Lord. And we have the hope of no longer being slaves to sin and the evil without and the evil within, and no longer living under the ultimate shadow of death. We are offered freedom in Jesus from the ultimate power of death and the enslaving power of sin. We are offered freedom. And in a moment now, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to that offer of freedom by coming up and asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and give you new life. The way to that freedom, the only way to that freedom, is Jesus himself. Jesus said in the New Testament, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that's a radical claim. Jesus made a claim of absolute exclusivity. And the reason that we can heed and trust and believe that claim is because Jesus rose from the dead after dying on the cross for us and no one else in history has ever done that. Therefore, his words beyond anyone else in history have validity. So when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, we can believe what he says. Jesus is the way. And the way to Jesus is through repentance, And faith, repentance, to turn from our own sin and rebellion and turn to God, to cease from going our own way and begin to go God's way, repentance. Faith, to trust in Jesus, who He is, is the only unique Son of God, what He did upon the cross, His resurrection from the dead, and His promises for us for forgiveness and eternal life. Faith, to believe, to trust in who Jesus is, and what He's done for us. The way to freedom is Jesus. The way to Jesus is repentance and faith. I want you to notice now in in verse 8 that the women, as they ran to tell the disciples of the empty tomb, it says they were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. They were frightened. This was like crazy. There's the angel, and he's shining like lightning and all this stuff. The tomb is empty but they were filled with great joy. The tomb was empty. And you might be feeling some of that mix this morning as you hear this good news about Jesus and what he's done for us. A little bit of that fright, like, wait, this is, this is serious. This is a big deal. And some of that joy, wait a minute. Jesus did that for me because he loves me. He's willing to give himself for me. And he's risen from the dead that I might truly be delivered from sin and its power and from death. That combination of fear and joy might be present in your heart even now especially as we think about responding. But I want us to look where it resolved for the women that morning, verses 9 and 10. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. We have it twice now. The angel said it, and Jesus said it, don't be afraid, because the tomb is empty. Christ is risen from the dead. And in their fear and in their joy, Jesus met them. Jesus is here this morning to meet you. You're actually here this morning, many of you, to meet Jesus. You just thought you were, your mom said, come to Easter. You're like, okay, I'll come to Easter. Your friend invited you, heard about the tacos, okay, I'll come. But you actually came to meet Jesus. Jesus. He's been working in your heart. He's been revealing himself to you. He's been by his spirit speaking truth to you about your sin and about the sins of the world, about the evil that is without and the evil that is within. He's been communicating to you somewhere in your heart that he loves you and has a different plan for your life and he wants you to know him and his blessings and your whole family as well. But are you willing to confess that your sins are wrong and so be forgiven because God loves you? Are you willing to believe by faith that Jesus is risen? Again, risen because God loves you. And if you are, then now is the time to find yourself in the place of those women on the first Easter and come to the feet of Jesus, so to speak. And trust and in worship for his love toward you and his sacrifice for you. And God will, through Jesus, change the reality of your life and your family. And one day, God will, through Jesus, change the reality of our whole world. For Christ is coming again to set right everything that has ever gone wrong. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, we read this, quote, God will remove the cloud of gloom and the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. And in that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation, end quote. And today is our day. Today is your day. Easter is about the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead, and so he offers us this new life. I'm going to ask the band to come forward, and in a moment, they're going to begin to sing that song that we all know, whether you've ever been in church or you're a Christian or not, Amazing Grace. They're going to begin to sing that. And that's your opportunity to respond to the good news that you've heard about Jesus and his offer of forgiveness and new life and eternal life. So as they begin to sing that song in a moment, I'm going to bid you to get up out of your seats and come forward, come to this place to the feet of Jesus, so to speak, to the altar symbolically. It's going to be a bold thing, I know, but when you do, when you get up, everyone's going to applaud, begin to welcome you to the family. I'm going to invite you to get up in a moment and come forward, and then once we gather here, I'll lead us in a prayer of confessing our sins, repenting, and putting our faith in Jesus. And you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven. You'll become a son or a daughter of God. Your sins will be wiped away. All things will be made brand new. You'll experience his love and his blessings and his grace and his power and the cloud of gloom and the shadow of death will be removed from your life. And hope will come. And we'll be together for all eternity. I also want to call out some of you who are here today because it's Easter and that's the only time that you ever go to church. And you're hearing this good news and you know it, it's familiar for you. But you know you're not living for the risen Lord. Your gig is to play games with God. Today, the games end. This is too real. God is too good. Jesus is alive and he is Lord. And if that's you, I'm gonna invite you to come back home today. I'm gonna invite you also to get out of your seats and come forward and say, I'm done playing games with God. I wanna give my life to Jesus in totality. So the band's gonna begin to play now. And as they do, you come forward. I'll meet you here. And once we all gather, I'll lead us in a prayer. So proud of you guys for coming forward. That's a big thing. Jesus is here to meet you. God sees the intent of your heart that you're coming to will. You're willing to come to Jesus and ask Him for forgiveness according to what He did. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer that does that. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. It doesn't have to be the same words. It's the intent that matters, and God sees. He knows you. He loves you. He hears the cry of your heart right now. In your heart, you're gonna pray something like this. God, I know now that you love me and that you've called me to yourself and that you gave your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for my sins that I might be forgiven and that you raised him from the dead that I might live forever with you in glory. I believe that, Jesus. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that in this moment you're wiping away all my sins and you're breaking the power of sin in my life and that you are giving me new life and eternal hope. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit, God, that you'd teach me to follow Jesus and help me to live for you, that I would experience more and more of your love daily, that you would deliver me from the things that have me bound up, That you deliver me from my addictions and from my fear and from my sadness and you bring me into true joy because I'm a beloved daughter and son of God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family.